Hi, I'm Rebecca Lieb. And I'm Jason Horton. And we're the hosts of Ghost Town, a comedy podcast about all places abandoned, tragic, mysterious, haunted, and true crime That's not a word. <laughs> we cover all kinds of locations like... The Los Feliz Murder House. An L.A. murder frozen in time. Action Park. The world's most dangerous amusement park. JonBenet Ramsey's house, Woodstock 99, the Cecil Hotel, and the Black House. Ooh, Satan. Mm. So pause the podcast you're currently listening to immediately and go subscribe to Ghost Town. You can find us at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. With the tights underneath. <laughs> Listen, I danced that song a lot at homecoming, okay? She wants to touch me, whoa. She wants to love me, whoa. She never leave me, whoa. Whoa, whoa, oh. Don't trust her. Never trust her. Won't trust her. Won't trust me. See? That was me singing. I love how you sing the PG version. <laughs> yes this is not me this is not an explicit podcast in any way listen Nuh-uh. that's the only version i have on my ipod still because i downloaded when i was <laughs> in high school <laughs> i do i have an ipod yeah. classic and it's like my mm-hmm. most prized possession probably mm-hmm. because i i don't know i love my ipod it's amazing it's always plugged into my car i can't always trust it Always stress it. I have my my playlists, like my sad playlist, my happy mm. playlist, my let's sing very loud playlist. Sometimes when we don't record in a while, I could I kind of forget like how this how to speak, how to like do this, you know? Yeah. But anyway, guys, welcome to Suspiria, a true crime podcast where we cover everything Latin crime, South America, Central America, and everything that comes long side of it because there's more right it's not just north and south don't ask me yeah. what i don't like geography you guys know that already <laughs> anyways i am carol and i am stephanie your amazing singer tonight thank you fans <laughs> donate to my patreon patreon.com slash find stephanie a new tesla 2019 <laughs> a tesla 2019 i don't think that's how how they're called that that's my can you please not judge my patreon thank you okay so today we're talking about a colombian case have mm-hmm. we ever done a colombian case i don't know i don't, I don't think because s- i've i've definitely started on some colombian outlines like i have like mental notes about colombian cases yeah. and this was one of them but like i don't think you know. so we've done venezuela uh mm-hmm. no we've done many many yeah i don't think yeah. maybe i should have sang shakira then Ugh, i feel very inappropriate no <laughs> now. yeah no i Sorry. think it was a good choice the song okay okay thank you yeah mm-hmm. so with columbia like i feel like i wanted to do something that is not drug related for like yeah. you know the f- first time colombian case because like <laughs> You you search Latin American true crime, you only get Pablo Escobar basically yes. on Google. So yeah, I mean Google is not a good um, thing to ke- find cases for me, especially. So today we're talking about Leah Nasser, who I mean this is 
a big case. Like, this is recent history, like, you know, past, like, 10 years, I think, a case that, like, struck not only, like, the whole Colombian, like, the whole country, but, you know, regionally, it's, like, I'm sure people are, like, still very upset about it, and it's, like, the big, big, big one, and it's, Every time something happens uh regards to it, Twitter Twitter like explodes. So it's a huge one and we're tackling it today. I hope we do it justice because it's huge. So this outline was based on articles by Tubarco, Pulzo, El Universal, and a documentary by El Rastro, which we definitely recommend for you guys to watch because I mean not only it's available on YouTube. But there you can listen to her parents, friends, and siblings talking about her. You can watch footage of her, like, doing stuff. It's really cool. And um, you also can get more insight into, like, the case and evidence, etc., etc., by investigators. You can hear the investigators talking about it. So that's really cool. You know, always uh, you know, movie time with Suspiria. You can watch the documentary. It's really good. So... Lia Patricia Nasser Gaviria was born on December 17th, 1983, in Cincelejo, Colombia. She had a huge personality. She was super quirky and friendly and honest. Her brother said that she would just, like, up and do stuff. She wouldn't think too much about what others would think of her when she was doing stuff. She was just, like, super spontaneous, super fun and nice and you know, fun to be around. So she had a shit ton of friends. She was the oldest of three siblings and was super, super close to her family. She was 26 and she was attending the Universidad del Norte in Barriquilla for uh, law, actually. So she's almost Stephanie. Yeah, and she was on her very last semester at university. No, because it said like she was on her very last semester. (laughs) That just Mm -hmm. bummed me out. (laughs) She was like almost done with college. So she was working at the Palacio de Justicia in Cincelejo. So I don't know if you have to do that in the U.S., but Steph, you should know. She was doing like a residency in med school, but for law school. So she was like working in the field before she was allowed to get her degree. Like, so in law you have, school, yeah, you, you have, have to like, like yeah, you have to work during oh, the okay. summers. Yeah. But I, I, so I don't she was, think it's like necessary. Sorry, I don't think it's like necessarily no, like I don't think you're obligated to do it in mm-hmm. order to become a lawyer but by working um every summer in law school you have mm-hmm. a better chance of landing a job after you graduate oh, so yeah yeah that's cool yeah so but with her case really she was working um i don't know what she was doing there but she was uh, they refer to it as practicing law so she was probably getting some real hands-on experience at the palacio de justicia and uh, it was, I think, don't quote me on that, but it was, I think it was mandatory for her graduation. There was a test after the judiciatura uh, yeah. thing. So, yeah, she was like kind of like at the end of that prepping for the test. So and like then, the bar exam, like OAB in Brazil. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, And then after that, she would, um, I mean, OAB is something that you do after you're done with school. <laughs> Like, no, you can do it before no? too. Cause really? my best friend's uh, fiance, he goes to law school in Brazil, and he mm-hmm. did Abe 
before he graduated, he mm-hmm. passed the it's test. Like, like you graduate and you're already good, like to mm-hmm. go as a lawyer. Yeah, cool. not everybody but, yeah. does that though. Yeah. No, no, but this is clearly the smarter round. <laughs> 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 Says someone who doesn't know anything about nothing. Anyways, but with um Leah, she was finishing up her licenciatura. Oh, sorry. Yeah, licenciatura, and then um, no, judiciatura, not licenciatura. Sorry. And after that, she'd have a test, and then after the test, she would graduate. Basically, like I think she would have to finish the test and get like pass the test to graduate. Mm-hmm. So it's all like you know. Sequence of events. So in, um, but that's in 2009. I'll go back to 2000 because we're talking about her. Anyway, so in 2003, uh, she started dating Juan Pablo Villalobos, who, um, sorry, I keep saying who, the fucking owl. So they were kind of wrapped up in their relationship and decided they were going to get married pretty fast. I don't know how fast in the relationship, but their mind was kind of made up and no one could tell them otherwise. Their families approved of the relationship, don't get me wrong, but they thought it was a bit too early for a wedding. But they got married anyways. Big mistake. Yeah, and their plan was to get pregnant. So, married and get pregnant ASAP. And that's what happened, because by 2004, they had their daughter. They sound like me, but when I was a teenager. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So, after a few years, their relationship wasn't the greatest. Uh, they would clash a lot and fight, and Juan was growing distant since he traveled way too frequently for work. Of course, as it turns out, he was really working something else, working on something else during the trips. Oh. Mm, sex. He was having an affair. <sighs> she was devastated when she found out. In 2007-ish, she divorced his ass, but... It took a toll on her. She lost a ton of weight. It was really tough on her. So, as with everything, time goes by and she's able to, you know, rebuild herself up and just, like, become a badass again. She went back to school, changed her hair, as we all do after a breakup. <laughs> Everybody changes their hair, even if it's a little bit. And got a boob job. Now, get this. Her and the surgeon, Javier Gonzalez, became instant friends. At first, he was kind of a confidant, but the relationship developed into something romantic after some time. Ooh, imagine that. I would love to, like, (laughs) be in a relationship with my plastic surgeon. Like, I would get so much work done for free. Anyway, um, this time, it was a little different, with no rushing at all. They dated for a while after coming out as a, quote-unquote, formal couple, which is, like, his words. Mm-hmm. They both had daughters from previous relationships, and the families blended pretty well. They even traveled together. Why did I just think of that episode of The Office when Michael photoshops his picture into <laughs> Carol's Christmas card? Why? I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I like the minute I read they even traveled together, that scene came into my head. Okay, I'm sorry. Anyway, they're doing great, but, but, but. a big but. Almost as mm-hmm. big as mine and Carol's, but not that big. <laughs> um, Javier had an ex-girlfriend who didn't take the breakup very well, and she was trying to he- raise hell on the relationship. She would verbally mm-hmm. attack Leah in public. She even made some serious threats. 
That prompted Leah to end the relationship. She told her parents, like a day before she died, that she was a grown grown woman with a kid. She needed to make good choices. Staying in the relationship wasn't worth the drama, which I totally agree. Like, dude, I don't you love her? Like, this is yeah, so nice. She's it's a so badass. good. You know what I mean? She, like, it's a good relationship. This is working, but I d- I can't. I don't have to deal with this. And she just yeah, ups like, and up on these. No thanks. Like, yeah, like, just strong, you know? It was really good. Mm-hmm. So now it's May 29th, 2009. She tells her dad that she's going to meet with a classmate later on that day. As far as we understood, they were exchanging study materials, some preparatory stuff for the test. You know, mm-hmm. some sources said, like, he had some que- the questions that would be on the test, some or the sources said some stuff, like, something else. Some people said they were, like, doing a project together. Irrelevant. They were, like, exchanging something. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, he didn't. she didn't really say who the friend was, though. So, at 7 a.m., she got on a taxi and went to her job at Palacio de Justicia. So, now, this might seem a little unusual for a lot of our listeners, but uh, Leah was in constant communication with her parents. So, they not only knew where she was at all times but had active contact with her at all times so keeping that in mind uh they get a little alarmed after she gets silent after she goes silent for two hours but i mean it's two hours they just brush it off because she might just be busy but yeah hours and hours pass and she's still not picking up the phone Mm-hmm. By like 1 p.m., her mom's already calling Javier's mom to check if she knew where Leah was. And then she called Javier, and I love that she calls the mom first, right? Yeah, I know. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's such a mom house. thing. That is such yeah, a mom thing. Yeah. So she called Javier, and she wasn't with Javier, so he joined the worry party. They were mm-hmm. all trying to call, and she was still MIA. At 2 p.m., Leah's cell phone stopped ringing because it had been turned off. Uh-oh. Yeah. The parents then went to her workplace to investigate. They find out that she had left earlier with an unknown young man. Now, Leah's mom was a former judge, so she might have used her connections in her favor, but she was able to obtain security camera footage that showed Leah leaving with a man wearing a blue shirt and holding a folder. So they showed the video to some of her classmates, and one is able to identify that the man was Eduardo José de la Osa Contreras. Contreras. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So the video shows the entrance of the building and also uh, access to the stairway, like a door mm-hmm. with a stairway inside. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we can see Eduardo entering the building at 8 a.m., then walking out a few minutes later. So Leah appears at 8.05, out of the staircase and walking out of the building, wearing khaki pants and a pale pink shirt. Very biz cash. That's business casual for you guys that don't understand about fashion. So okay, still at the Tom Palacio. Huh? You, you you just like sounded like Tom Haverford. I call chicken parms, chick chick parm parms. <laughs> Pizzas? I call them zuz. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, and I love how I wrote that on the outline like bizcash. <laughs> bizcash. Okay. Bizcash. So 
still at the Palacio. Sorry. Yeah, so the parents are still at the Palacio. And they talk to her colleagues. And they tell them that uh, the time that she left, she had been in a brief phone call. And she will say, okay, I'll be right there. Bye. And then hang up. And she told her colleagues that she'll be right back. She even left her purse at the office. So she clearly didn't think she was leaving. Yeah, it was probably like, Aren't you intrigued? Oh, just, I'm very intrigued. Yeah, I wonder what's going to happen to her. Let me just pick up this sub downstairs. Why did I mm-hmm. immediately think about food? That's just how I think. Subs. <laughs> Leave your purse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you tell me there's a sub downstairs? I'm leaving my nephews upstairs. <laughs> like, you guys chill here. Like, anyway, I did that today. But it was only for like two minutes. So I could get some hot dogs. Mm. Anyway. Oh, it's me. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. So, when the search party finds out about Eduardo, they contact him and he pops by the Palacio at around 3. He doesn't know where Leah is. Straight up, dead end. He tells them that they left the Palacio earlier on his motorcycle, but before they reached their destination, she got a call and had to cancel the plans they had made. Mm-hmm. Can you smell that? Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. apologized and put a rain check on it basically for later on that day. He went back to the Palacio at 11 to pick her up again, but she wasn't there. That is true, by the way. He actually went there at 11 and she was already gone. Mm-hmm. By mid-afternoon, the family is driving around Cincelejo looking for Leah. They're organizing prayer groups, getting started on the missing persons flyers. All her friends and family are involved. They're thinking it might be a kidnapping. Then... They finally contact police after all of this. No, let's address that, okay? She went missing at around 8 or 9. Mid-afternoon, there are already prayer groups and missing but persons. But no police? Fire. Isn't this like the fastest? No, but it's, it was actually very effective on this thing, you know? Because they're always on her. And it was not like, you know, a suffocating like family situation. No, like it was always yeah. like... It was just the way they were, you know? So, yeah. you guys are going to see, like, that's why they were able to solve this case really fast. Because they're all on it. So, the investigation starts right away. They talk to Eduardo, and he says the same stuff he had said before. And Leah had a lot of people that were directly involved in her life, obviously. So, that is a pretty long interrogation list. Mm-hmm. Night comes, and Leah is still missing. That is absolute torture for her parents. Um, interrogation list uh, the investigators had was more like a suspect list really Mm -hmm. just a reminder Leah had a sour ex-husband a recent ex-boyfriend that was still looming around for some reason she had a weird guy pick her up at her job and the crazy ex-girlfriend with the threats and shit that's a field day for the police and Mm -hmm. also also on top of all of that she had a stalker, sort of. She had been getting these weird messages from an unknown number, telling her stuff like, oh, you look pretty today, I like your outfit, etc. Creepy. She couldn't figure out who was sending her the text. So it's close to noon the day after Lee goes missing. Police working on the suspects. They're able to cross out the ex-girlfriend right away, but they're still working hard on the rest, paying special attention to Javier, actually. Yeah. He mm. was the main suspect. That's when a woman walks into the station. She's Luz Estella Romero, Eduardo's housekeeper. 
Oh Ooh. shit. Dude, oh um, <laughs> So let's put a pin on that for a second and talk about Eduardo a bit, shall we? So mm -hmm. Eduardo was 24 from San Marcos, that's like two hours from Sincelejo. And he had been living with his sister Jimena and her, her husband Achilles for five years at the La Palma neighborhood. Ugh. I mean, he was going to school at Sincelejo, like a bigger city. But, like, yikes, you know? Mm -hmm. So he was a classmate of Lia's and he was kind of known for being super smart. He was the kind of person who would, like, read entire books in a few days and who'd kind of brag about this. But, anyways, he looks like an evil snail. That's the only way I can describe it. I try to do like that pop sugar thing that you like put your picture and it tells you what kind of celebrity you look like. And here yeah. are the people that popped up. It was Ludacris. Doesn't look nothing <laughs> like Ludacris. Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> and like Morgan Freeman. He's not black even. So I don't know what's up with his face. Those are like the three randomest people that <laughs> like... Because like even... Ludacris and Morgan Freeman, who are like black, they Let don't me show look you a alike. picture of him, and you you tell me. I think I look like Ludacris more than he does. Jesus. Yeah, he looks like he works in IT. Doesn't he look like a snail? Yeah, like an evil evil face. Yeah, person. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, we're gonna have a picture of him on Instagram. Ah. <laughs> So, Luz Estela tells the police that Eduardo actually bought Leah home on the 29th at around 8.30. So, right after she was picked up at the Palacio. So, she was working and kind of lost track of the two while she made her way through the house cleaning. She made her way to the master bedroom and Eduardo kind of popped out of it like his head. And he was like, hey, Luz, can you buy some soda at the store real quick? And she was like, uh-huh, sure, I don't want to hear what you guys are doing in there, whatever. So, it's kind of weird and kind of condescending, but like, you know, whatever. And she comes mm -hmm. back, and, it, and the door is locked. Like, the front door to the house is locked. And he, she knocks, he opens, and he was like, all right, here's some more money, go buy me some cookies. I hate this fucking guy just for that. But 10 minutes later, she makes it back to the house, and she saw Eduardo outside. Sitting on his motorcycle with a blue barrel between his legs. Bet you didn't expect that, right? So it was like a 32-gallon container. And it isn't like a metal drum. It's like a plastic, like, trash. It looks like a trash can, like a, a big trash can. But mm -hmm. plastic, not metal. I don't know. It's, mm -hmm. it's like a big bucket. Anyways. The bucket had a lid on it. So she couldn't see if there was anything inside. So mm -hmm. Eduardo took the fuck off with the bucket, basically, on the bike, like, you know, trying to um, balance, balance it. Balance it? I'm just picturing yeah. all of that, and it sounds like disastrous. <laughs> <laughs> this like, all actually happened. We don't make anything of it. <laughs> like, on the documentary, they have, like, a reenactment of it. It's possible, but, like, you know... I don't know. I feel like there's got to be a more effective way to dispose yeah. of the corner. Yeah, exactly. So, we're not getting ahead of ourselves. Anyways. So, anyways, Luz Estella, she went back to work. She was cleaning the house. Whatever. Just a hiccup. She hadn't seen Dia leave the, leave the house, so she just assumed that she was still inside the master bedroom. 
bedroom. Of course, she probably thought they were just having sex in there or something. So that's why Eduardo sent her out. And so she needs to clean the master suite. So she knocks on the door three times and there's no answer. She calls for the lady inside. There's no answer. And she opens the door and walks in and sees... A blood soap mattress. So the sheets had been all removed and there was fresh blood on the middle of the bed, like right dead center of the blood. Fresh blood blood. Yikes. Three hours later, Eduardo comes back with his bucket and starts cleaning. He washes the bucket, his clothes, his shoes, the whole area, everything. At least he didn't make her wash it, right? Yeah, I mean. Mm. Yeah. At around noon. Jimena and Achilles get home. They ask Luz Estela about what happened in their bed. Can you imagine walking in your bedroom and it's like blood? Yeah. Right? So she tells them that she doesn't know that it has to do with Eduardo. Don't ask me, ask him. You know? So that's a good, <laughs> I guess, like not getting involved. But that's a good fuck off answer <laughs> from a maid. <laughs> what do you think is me? me. <laughs> like, why would you ask me? I, I just clean things. I don't yeah. like them dirty. Do I look like I live sweeping here? your big ass house all day. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So they don't call the police, but they're very worried, which I'm sorry. But like if I found blood on my mattress out of nowhere, I'd be like, I'm never sitting on that mattress ever again. <laughs> and <laughs> the next day, by the time Leah's picture was like everywhere. They showed that picture to Luz. She recognized her as the lady who had been at the house. Almost immediately, mm-hmm. Achilles takes her to the police station. Police yeah. go to the house where they examine the mattress and find the blood, obviously, but also clumps of hair. They find the bucket and notice that the bottom was broken, something that would probably happen if you put something really heavy inside the little mm-hmm. bucket, drum roll type of thing. They also like, find you know, a, a ton of egg rolls or something. What would you be? Exactly. You know, right? mm-hmm. <laughs> or rocks. Several hammers. Exactly. Maybe. They also find a bloodstained hammer. Mm-hmm. They start building up the case against Eduardo. And the main thing is to prove that Leah could fit into the bucket. They find a woman that was about Leah's size. She happened to be one of the investigators, by the way. How fun. Because rigor mortis would set, <laughs> wouldn't set until hours after the death, it is very possible to put someone in a bucket. Mm-hmm. Which, ugh, I can just but picture sorry, the yeah. bones like cracking, like I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No, I mean she could fit, like you know, like with her knees to her chest, just sitting in the bucket. Yeah, like, this is the like, kind of bucket that you like fill up with water and let your like kids play in it. Which yeah. I've been inside that kind of bucket. So that's nice. Ruined a nice childhood memory for me, this case. I feel like my grandmother should have problem. one of those things, too. Yeah. It's like a big blue plastic. Like, yeah. Not like a water gallon, but like, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I feel like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so they moved to find a body because they want to charge him with homicide instead of, like, kidnapping. So they get a hunch that Leah might be at a nearby lake. It turns out that she wasn't. Mm-hmm. 
the so next the day, next day oh sorry, sorry. go ahead no, okay. <laughs> the next day they moved to arrest eduardo anyways that's funny what's funny about that is that eduardo actually calls the police and tells them to come for him basically saying that he wants to be investigated because he's innocent what a cocky asshole yeah like come for me bitch yeah so cash me outside <laughs> he tells them that the blood is really just because they had that sex on the bed I don't know what kind of sex he's having but not that not amount of, right not that much blood kind of sex Mm-mm. so he's also says that she left the house on her own after he was gone basically and he contradicts uh, his first statement that she left the motorcycle, all that, and that counts as evidence against him. So he was arrested only three days after Leo went missing. On the fourth, he's already in front of a judge with the whole city out protesting to try to avoid that he gets away with murder. So this all happens fast and people get really involved. Which is cool. The the whole community is like pissed. I love it. <laughs> the police <laughs> actually had to escort him out of the courthouse with riot gear. You know, like those like big like shields. Yeah. Like, be- yeah. To avoid a lynching because people were pissed off. Rightfully. So by then he's playing the fifth. They don't have the fifth in um, in um Colombia. But, you know, like he's not talking. Pretty much doing and, that. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a he's like super cocky and still insisting that he didn't do anything. They in court show a picture of Leah to him, trying to get like a guilt reaction out of him, and he just like smiles, he just laughs. Yeah. So the police is using the attention the cage is getting to try and find out what happened. So they publish the pictures of the involved and the bucket, and an architect that was working at a construction site. Uh, recognized the bucket he had seen eduardo on the bike with the bucket it's a sight that you don't forget you know can imagine just like seeing him like yeah because that's so going past down the random <laughs> like yeah. that like sounds to me have you seen those pictures of like 20 people in one motorcycle <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's exactly what i think this must have looked like yeah so he parked in front of an empty lot of, at the Venetia neighborhood of Cincelejo, and he spent about 45 minutes there. The guy's like looking. He's like one of those like grandmas that stays like by the gate, like watching yeah, what's happening on the street. Yeah, he <laughs> definitely does not does not have like anything to do that day. It's like, <laughs> I wonder when the guy with the bucket's gonna leave. <laughs> so yeah, uh, they go and search the lot. And they find Leah buried in a shallow grave, wrapped up in the bed sheets and in the fetal position, with only a thin layer of dirt and waste covering her. Nice. We should have been joking before we said that. So, autopsy confirmed that Leah died as a result of asphyxiation and that she had also been hit on the back with a hammer. She hadn't been raped. Uh, the guy had like broke her spine in several places with hammer so that's where the blood came from the official narrative is that eduardo arranged 
the meeting with Leah to give her the papers. And she thought that he was going to show up with them. But instead, he took her to her his house to get the papers. So there he tried to rape her. She struggled and he used such force against her that he ended up strangling her. And he didn't rape her after that because he killed her before he had the chance, which fucking sucks. So he then put her inside the bucket, which was used as a clean laundry basket usually at the house. And he traveled on his motorcycle with the bucket for 15 minutes until he got to the empty lot located not even 500 feet from her house, from her home. You could actually see the empty lot from like her parents' house. Oh my god, that's so sad. That's the most heartbreaking part of this case, man. Because they're because we, like they're looking for her, and she's like literally so right there. It's like so the closest. So yeah, it was also determined that Eduardo was the person who had been sending her the anonymous messages. Surprise, surprise! He was completely obsessed with her. So, during his trial, like on the do you plead guilty part, he did a really nice speech. He said that this was all a joke, that his family was torn to pieces, his dad had been threatened, his mom was almost dying because having a son in jail is worse than death itself, to a courtroom filled with Leah's friends and family. Can you imagine the size yeah. of the jackassery that you, like... He pled not guilty, obviously, but he was sentenced to 29 years in jail for the murder, the disappearance, and the hiding of the body. Yeah. He has never confessed, but he has said that he accepted the charges, even though he still ma maintains his innocence. Mm -hmm. After an appeal, he was able to, to get three years and one of his charges out of the sentence. Today, he's in a maximum security prison, but he's able to get out for, we think, 72 hours every year. A benefit that is a right for Colombian prisoners who served at least three fourths of the sentence, except that he really hasn't. Yeah, he was he was gifted that benefit like super early, and no one knows why. Yeah, so it's not only Brazil that has the freaking <laughs> fucked up sentencing system. Because of good behavior, he's eligible for parole in twenty twenty, which is literally next year. Mm. <laughs> and if not, he'll be out by 2030. That's like 20 years he after killed. her death. And probably, exactly. He killed a mom in 2009. Remember 2009? Guys, remember how like recent 2009 is? Think Justin yeah. Bieber hitting a glass table. Think what else happened in 2009. Like, oh my god. Katy Perry, Kiss Her Girl, that's 2009. That's like yesterday. <laughs> I moved to America. <laughs> yeah, yesterday. Steph's like... Yes, exactly. 19. Anyway, it's like, not, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh my god, it makes me so mad. <sighs> there are a few question marks about the case, including um, whether Leah died at the empty lot or on the bed. And also whether it was premeditated, which, if you ask me, I think it was. If he was, like, stalking her this whole time. But do you want to say what you think? <laughs> I mean, I think at least the hate, the, the hate, 
At least the rape was premeditated. Because Leah didn't think that she was going to go into war with him, clearly, but he did. You know? And he took her home to get the stuff. But, get this. Allegedly, and I couldn't find too much corroborating, like, especially cross-sourcing and, you know, many sources saying this, so please don't quote me. But uh, the empty lot was owned by Eduardo's brother-in-law, Achilles. So that plus the fact that it was located where it was located that close to uh the her parents' house her house yeah that for me kind of seals it that it was premeditated yes yeah and also i mean not i mean he was definitely like trying to work on an alibi like in like the whole thing of him actually going back to Leah's workplace at a, around the same time that you know like a few hours after, before the parents went, you know, yeah. he basically f- like finished dumping her body and went like right to the um, workplace to try to like what a fucking piece of shit. Yeah, trying to like get his story right. So yeah, the um, his brother-in-law Achilles, by the way, he's like the DA. Like oh the, the, yeah oh so that explains great? a little bit. I think I mean. Explains, like, why I think he got that, you know, get out of jail card uh, early. So, Leah was killed on a DA's bed. When you think about that kind of thing, in those terms. Yeah, that's, like, and the the outcome is, like, not even comparable to the gravity of the case. Yeah. Not comparable, but, like, it's not enough. Mm-mm. So the overall the overall sentiment about this case, not only with the local community, but also with Leah's family, is that Eduardo is impune, basically. Being able to leave the prison this early, in the sentence, and not be and to be eligible for parole barely ten years after the murder is just bananas. Her brother has vented on social media about this, and I think it's good to end this with something her dad has actually said. So he said, quote, mm-hmm. we lost our daughter. We haven't seen her in 10 years. A person like Eduardo should rot on the soil, which definitely doesn't translate well to English, but the sentiment definitely does. He should just manage rot on the soil, upon the land, and work as a fertilizer. That's my final and position. honestly, I say this from the bottom of my heart, judge me all you want <laughs> listeners but mm-hmm. i seriously hope that whenever he gets out <laughs> his ass gets lynched dude so. you guys are gonna watch the documentary right scroll down in the comments you'll see a bunch of people like a bunch of mexicans like oh boy how i wish this case happened in mexico the guy would be basically dismembered in prison first week man yeah. he would not have survived like, which i think is I a hilarious be- thing to say like but you I know though, i l- no, definitely really hope that he dies yeah like. so yeah i mean i'm sure those things happen in colombian prison too it's probably like on a high profile um you know uh yeah. but colombia yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know colombian Tremembe where they Columbia. play shakira all day <laughs> that's the punishment and everybody's hips don't lie <laughs> You're you're sleeping sleeping in the middle of the night and all of a sudden Shakira Shakira you're like you know that's your punishment you can only sleep chow time 
<laughs> they had to wake up like dancing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine like if they woke up people in prison with like random ass dance routines that people had to do at like five in the morning? Oh my god! I'm like picture some people. I'm picturing. <laughs> no, I'm fun, picturing like guards dressed with less, like the village people. Wow! Yes. <laughs> like between the the yes. cells. <gasps> Let me run a pr- prison, please. I'm gonna have it. some awesome ideas. Some people would enjoy it, but like other people, that's like the worst punishment for them. I feel like after like serving a ten year sentence, that's definitely punishment. Like you enjoyed the first week, you know, but then when they start yeah. like doing the same songs all over again, every day, mm-hmm. get on your feet, get on and make it slide to the left, slide to the right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my yeah. god. So <laughs> you guys. Oh man. Are you still picturing you know? Do uh. you do you watch American Dad? No. Ah fuck. <laughs> there's a there's an episode of American Dad where they dance uh, so ugh, mm. I'm gonna send you this episode okay. later. But basically there's a dictator that forces people <laughs> to dance to Bananarama. <laughs> and, like, everybody has to dance, like, all day, 24-7. So this is what I'm picturing. I'll, I'm going to send this to you. Definitely. Okay, I'm sorry. Sometimes my chair cracks because it's not a good quality chair. And, you know, it's not made for my Brazilian body. <laughs> <laughs> I like my chair at work keeps like doing this and I'm like yes please break right here so I can get workers compensation (laughs) you know I've broken my ass bone before right you have? I have yeah how did you do that oh my god (laughs) okay so backstory I I just got your, your episode here but anyways I was like 11 minutes and I was like on a field trip to the caves. We're going like to the caves, you know? And so we're going to the caves and that was like one of them. I think it was, oh my God, what was the name? The name of the caves was Agua Suja, Dirty Water. That's the name of the, the cave. <laughs> so this yeah. is First we went to spot. Caverna do Diablo, which is the, the devil's cave. Because there's like a face that looks like the devil, like on the... On the, one of the walls. But that's like a light cave. Because you have like rails and stuff. You have like paths. But dirty water was like a cave. That the whole thing. You have like water up to your 11 year old waist. But anyways. On the way back. We're like super wet. You know. And we had to go through like this um, hike. You know. And it was like wet um, stone. And it was like. Oh my god. No. It was like a. Uh, I was like super concentrated on like not falling. Right. And there was like this piece that it was like you had to like go down like some like then like a stair like staircase like you know like and it was like some Mario shit like some Donkey Kong like stairs and I fell like I got out of the stairs and like I was like yay I did it and I fell on my ass like sitting down back just slam down I broke my ass but I didn't find out. Until after the 10-hour bus ride back home. 
So my ass you was very on injured. your broken ass for 10 hours. I sat on my broken ass for 10 hours and my ass was injured. And then we went to uh, a doctor, like the bone, what's the name of the bone doctor? Orthopedist. This is a person that actually exists. His name was Kimball. The name of the, the <laughs> Kimball. But Kimball with a W. Kimbo. Kimbo. Yeah. Dr. Kimbo. So Dr. Kimbo ordered me to sit on a thing that looks like a float, like a, a donut, lifesaver. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, a very bullied 11-year-old, showing up to school with a little float thing was not oh nice my on my making friends thing. So, yeah, I had to leave the school the, at the end of the year because I was not having a good time. But that's a story for later. Yeah. But at least your parents were supportive and, like... Took me to the doctor, yeah. Change you. Yeah. yeah. No, change schools. Oh, no, totally. Because a lot of... Totally, yeah. because, yeah. like, like, at least not my parents, but, like, my grandma who raised my sister for a few years... Mm-hmm. Uh, like my sister tells me that if she got beat up at school and she came home, she was like, oh, grandma, someone beat me up. My grandma will beat her up and be like, mm. this is what you get for coming home crying instead of beating whoever beat you up, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So mm. your parents could have been like, yeah, toughen up. Yeah. So, I mean, they wanted me, they wanted to change me, like change classes, you know? Which mm-hmm. you can do that in Brazil, because if you guys don't know, it's like the same class, and then the teachers rotate instead of yeah the classes rotating here, like it is in mm-hmm. America. So she wanted to change me to a different class, and she was like, "Oh, you can make friends there." Well, then my aunt was like, "Fuck you guys, don't do that. Change schools." And then it was cool. Then I went to a school that I actually liked. And then I had to change. That's a different story for a later time. I had to leave that school for a different reason, but it was, yeah. Stayed in that. I think Which, the problem might be you, Carol. I mean, it probably was, honestly. But the next school was super cool because it was my communist school where I went to MST. I went to MST protests. I went to like a quilombo on that school. It was a lot of learning and I loved it. It was great. Like, uh, excuse That's crazy. Ninth grade trip to Assentamento Sem Terra. We love it. It was good. I didn't know where I was going, but then. Yeah, and then the Quilombo was really good. Quilombo was a lot of fun. Actually. No, I I would think that that would be yeah. fun, but not like a day. I'd be like, yeah. what am I doing here? Why don't you guys have houses? <laughs> that would have been me like... No, they ha- no. it was like yeah. a, what they do after they invade the lands. It was like a farm. Just a farm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. It's like they divide like... Because what they do is they they get into like a big like usable like land for agriculture that's not being used in any way mm-hmm. and they invade it and um after they are able to acquire their land through legal processes and we have the uh, legislation that allows for that in brazil and then they divide the land into like little pieces and each little piece goes to a different family and they can like farm on it and stuff i think it's pretty cool Which if the land's not very... being used you know yeah, but that's a very controversial thing yeah. in Brazil. But that specific place that I went to, the land had been acquired by a farmer, like a big farmer, fraudulently. So it was not his oh. first place. So up for grabs, I'd rather free go to the poor people. Just saying. It was one yeah, of those nice, so. nice people. Yeah, I like the mm-hmm. Robin Hood 
type of thing with like rich <laughs> yeah. people's lands. Yeah. So yeah, guys, I think this is a good uh, place to end it with communism. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's listening to this, I did not show any support to anything. No, no, it's just me talking. Podcast. Yeah. We'll talk about more about fraudulent land acquiring and farms on our episode that's coming out later this week. Breaking the format times two. Yes. Mm-hmm. 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 We're going to talk about the um, whole, how do we say, end of the world situation that's happening right now. Shit show. Mm, shit show. Shit storm on fire. Exactly. Mm-hmm. This so, yeah. girl is on fire. Did you see the vi- the deep fake video they did? They got Alicia Keys and they yes, put Bolsonaro's yes. face on her. Yes, yes, oh, I love yes. this so much. <gasps> anyway, uh, I can't wait for us to have like a Facebook group that we can like post that kind of stuff. Just like see all the memes that we. Right. Will we ever have a Facebook group though? Oh, maybe when Facebook people get a little better. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm afraid Facebook that if we groups do... have been dumpster fires. Yeah, I'm afraid day. that if we do create a Facebook group, it will just like implode in two months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe someday, if you guys ask for it, we'll do it. But it will be a tough screening process. Number one <laughs> question: Have you ever started a dumpster fire on purpose? If so, leave the link so I can read up on it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, you guys. I hope you guys continue to have a good end of the world because it has already started. Uh, Heck goodbye. Yes. Ciao. Ciao. Thank you for listening to another episode of Suspiria, a true crime podcast. If you are a creep and enjoy listening to all of that horrible information, Please check out our previous episodes and write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And also follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram as Suspiria Podcast. Facebook is also Suspiria Podcast. If you want to follow Carol, you can follow her at Suspiria Carol. And you can follow me at eu.steph. Note, none of us post anything interesting. We do, actually. If you have any case suggestions, feel free to drop them over at superiorpodcast at gmail.com. Or if you want to be part of this podcast, you can also email us. We promise we won't bite. Ciao! Ciao.